2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com dot com slash weight loss.
3: that?
4: That's the second time it's gone wrong. They
2: Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those those, those boys.
4: I said, I want to win the league, but I want to
3: win it better. You can understand that, can't
5: you? Yes. Good
2: luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever.
1: Ibrahim, hug, hug, Ibrahim. Where are you from Ibrahim? Yeah bro, I'm from Kurdistan you know Kurdistan uh, you're waving in Leicester yeah, city flag Of course bro, of course man Bro, Leicester's in our blood I grew up here, you get me? School, everything bro Leicester is a beautiful city What does this the mean? World, what does this you know? mean? Bro, This, bro, the whole world knows Leicester now isn't it? The whole world knows Leicester We're the champions and we're coming for Barcelona We're coming for Madrid
3: We're coming for Munich, come on man!
0: The, we they're, see,
2: but they're de- only Leicester few are definitely going to choke. Definitely going to careen off the rails. I, I just can't believe that they could win the league. I just can't believe that this squad could actually win the league. There's three teams within striking distance of Leicester. They're all better than Leicester. Call me Darren Thomason. I just don't believe that it's just going to continue in this way you're not giving them a chance are you I don't know I I can't
1: head to the box head to the box right for the shot Is in Chelsea have got it Eden Hazard has scored the goal here and Stamford Bridge that could it just could put a full stop to the most incredible sports story you have ever read they might have done it Chelsea 2 Tottenham 2 Leicester City are on the verge of sporting immortality. Forget football, rugby, cricket, Olympics, Winter Olympics, golf, whatever your sport of preference. This is unprecedented. This has never happened in world sport. A 5,000 to 1 shot has never, ever in the history of world sport won a title, a race, or an encounter. Leicester City Football Club are on the verge of rewriting local, national and international history The full time whistle has gone at Stamford Bridge, Leicester City are the Premier League Champions 2015-2016. Start the party Leicester because they have done it. The rest of the world's hearts are full of Leicester City, our little city. Our parts of the East Midlands. Pinch yourself. Let it seep through your skin. Blink. It has happened. Full-time. Chelsea 2. Tottenham 2. Leicester City are the Premier League champions.
0: Champions indeed, I'm all my devil. This is Doubting Kennedy. <laughs> and you're very welcome. Thanks a lot, Owen.
2: You're very welcome to the Irish Times Second Games podcast. I really appreciate um, that... Uh,
0: I mean I could see Man City beating them <laughs> yeah. 4-0. Yeah. Need well, doubt no more. Sorry, yeah, you're
2: No, I'm. I'm no? Uh, thanks yeah. thanks very much to whoever put that together. <laughs> uh well, you know, what can I say? Was I, there a moment
0: late in the season that won you over?
2: Uh well, probably that Man City game <laughs> before which all that was recorded when when they uh beat them 3-1. That was probably Although they then did lose to Arsenal after that. So I still wouldn't have expected them to actually go and do it, but it was the it's the kind of the following six games or you know five whatever they they just started winning, they just turned into a winning machine. Then nobody could score against them. They just you know it was it, that was when when they kind of became a juggernaut. That was um, eventually the moment that I realized. Oh, hang on, this is and then
0: uh, then I got squished at some stage late in the second half yesterday. Is is what you're saying? Is Leicester City's Premier League title triumph the greatest shock in the history of sport? Put up that bar stool and indulge in the frivolous debate that the whole world is having. <laughs> I think the best way to do this is for me to throw to you, Ken, a few of the other leading contenders mm. that are being bandied about today. Yeah. And you tell me if the shock that I mentioned is more shocking than the shock of shocking Leicester winning the league in shocking circumstances this season. Yeah. Greece. No. Okay, I won't even finish that sentence. Buster Douglas knocking that. No. Gonna... John Daly winning the 1991 USPGA. No. Well, wow, ninth alternate. Drove overnight from Memphis just to be there. At... Nah, it's golf. Anything can happen. <laughs> well, see, it is getting your. It is over four rounds. I think. I don't think any of the one offs are going to work here. I don't think, I think Buster Douglas, any of the really shock I think it has to be at least a four day tournament or a tournament. Like, anyway, I'll go. So, Munster beating the All Blacks again, much as our no. brethren, our friends in Limerick and Cork and elsewhere would like to throw that one in. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen.
2: Similarly, the Miracle on Ice. Uh no. That was when the uh, world's richest country beat the uh, other. Su- the one superpower beat the other superpower <laughs> in a hockey match. Yeah, no. that was
0: it? Icehockey, yeah. Okay, where am I then? Um, Goran Ivanisevic, yeah, that's the one I saw in a couple of places. Winning Wimbledon in 2001 as no. a wild card.
2: Well, Goran Ivanisevic had been to three Wimbledon finals. He was one of the giants of his tennis-playing generation.
0: USA beating England, 1950 World Cup?
2: Um, England in the World Cup, losing a, a group match, no big deal.
0: Japan, South Africa, 2015. Well, The game you were at. Yeah,
2: and, and there's a kind of a similarity between the two things in that... And I talked about this at the time, the Japan-South Africa game. But people saying, oh, it's the most dramatic you know, game. It really was only dramatic in the last few minutes. Up until then, it was just a you know, quite entertaining game of rugby. But it wasn't as though you thought, seriously, Japan are actually going to win this. You know what I mean? They're clearly not going to win it. As, as the game goes on in South Africa, bring, keep bringing on fresh players from the bench that Japan don't have. You know, they will turn the screw. Uh, This has been nice while it lasted, but Japan will, sure as apples, sure as (laughs) eggs is eggs own. Japan will end up, uh, like Humpty Dumpty, broken and splattered all over this pitch. Look at the
0: size of these Africans. And they will squish them eventually, shorty. And
2: it was really the last five, six, seven minutes when you begin thinking, "They're, they're actually, there's a chance they could do this here. You know, they're within a score with, such that if they score... They're going to be in the lead, and South Africa will not have time to recover. And that's what happened in the end. Heskid scored that try at the very end. But it was really on the last few minutes where where the whole stadium started to get swept along with this. Oh, hang on, this could be a really, what we're seeing here could be one of the most amazing things we've seen. Um, Most of what goes down as one of the most amazing upsets in the history of sport was fairly Humdrum. It was just the kind of, well, this is better than I thought it would be when, <laughs> when I arrived, when I drew the Japan's South Africa straw. So
0: falls short. Falls short of Leicester, I mean. Oh,
2: yeah, but I, I think there's a similar thing with Leicester in that it really, it wasn't until they just started winning all those matches and that stretch after the international break that I started to think, oh, my God, this is actually going to happen. Really. You know, because they, they were leading, weren't they leading at Christmas? Or they were certainly thereabouts, mm. You know, they were right up there. I thought
0: the Man City game when they beat Man City away, I started to think this team is pretty serious.
2: Yeah. Well, Mar-Mar-Riz. also, also, Man City are a joke.
0: Yeah, that was another theme to be taken out of that game. Yeah,
2: Man City are a joke, and uh, but you know, then, then they lose to Arsenal. And you think, okay, but but I mean, I was referring there in my, uh, you know, the worst punditry that you'll ever hear um, about the things that were bound to happen. Um, that didn't happen you know the other players were available when they needed them only at the very end did they start getting players suspended um, and it didn't matter and uh, yeah they, they did
0: it uh, okay I'll throw one more at you and that's the most obvious comparison
2: Not Nottingham
0: Forest 78 uh, <sighs> promote no. it straight up boom yeah, the champions. Not even for, but but want to dominate European football
2: in a time, and they they go on to dominate European football, which is something I don't expect Leicester to do. But I haven't expected Leicester to do a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, they do. the The difference, obviously, is that you would have you, you would have thought that between the nineteen seventies and today, the difference is that the uh, the kind of grip that the wealthy clubs, and there are so many clubs wealthier than Leicester. I mean, Leicester are quite a rich club by the standards of you know world football. Uh, they have. Spent quite a lot of money on players over the last couple of years, but not compared to other clubs in the Premier League. And when you've got, uh, you know, a wage bill uh, between fifty and sixty million pounds, it's like a quarter of the sort of teams at the top. You just expect there's no, there's no way they can. They maybe they could fin- have a freak good season finish ahead of one of those clubs, but no way can they finish ahead of all of them, and. That's actually. So what we're happened. saying
0: that it's the greatest shock in the history of sport. Kid. That's what we're saying right now. You, you well, what maybe what with-
2: we should be saying is, these shocks aren't as shocking as you think they are. You know what I mean? You know that that book, The Black Swan, by Nassim uh, Taleb, from a, a few years back, where you know basically his book was like, you know, uh, it's the, called Black Swans because, well, when have you ever seen a black swan? Well apparently they're out there. I've never seen one. Well there's one as uh, a central character in a Kirby enthusiasm episode. But I, but I digress. Or it's like I, I can't remember if the black swan is meant to be just a, a, an imaginary thing. But like if you saw a black swan then that means black swans do exist.
0: Yeah, this black swan meets a pretty untimely end courtesy of Larry David's Five Iron if I remember correctly. But oh. listen again, too much Kirby enthusiasm talk.
2: Um <laughs> uh, the po- the point is that uh, people radically underestimate the probability of of what they consider to be extreme or extremely unlikely events in fact anything can happen those th- those things can happen we just kind of go around in a in a bubble like you heard me there in that echo you uh, that, that echoing <laughs> back from the past <laughs> oh, this could happen you know i mean i could see man city beating for now no <laughs> it no, sounds,
0: sounds not, so good you in echo
2: around, form <laughs> <you laughs> no man city but look uh, the, you know the, these things uh, happen. Just because it hadn't happened before doesn't mean that we were right to consider it a five thousand to one uh, shot. I mean, I think all the other, all the big clubs. I f- I feel that they've really embarrassed themselves this season. I think all their managers were are kind of. I I I do I do think that Alex Ferguson would have made it impossible for Leicester. I feel that he would have been hammering them from the from the outset. He would have been he would have had the referees after them. You know what I mean? He just would have been throwing abuse at them. Yeah. everyone else seems to have been kind of standing back and applauding their efforts or a
0: fully fired up Mourinho might have done something similar
2: oh yeah well you know Mourinho obviously had his own fires to fight that he'd set himself all over the place he set fire to everything and then he was engaged in trying to put out, put out the fires he didn't have time to really turn his fire on on Leicester yeah, uh,
0: nor- I'd normally at this point tell you what's coming up in the rest of today's podcast but forget about that let's go immediately over to the only city anyone's talking about in world sport today to chat to Jason Bourne at BBC Radio Leicester Jason how are things going today?
3: Yeah good afternoon Um, I've got to say it's pretty mad in the city it's unprecedented scenes I've got to be honest just walking around I've been a been down to the King Power Stadium this morning. There were just hundreds of people milling about, coming and going, and everybody that goes past is honking their horn as mm-hmm. well to all the TV cameras, radio news crews that are down there as well. It's it's a lovely, wonderful place to be with a strong feeling at the moment. It's, it's incredible.
0: I suppose people had a long time to get used to the idea that this was going to happen, but now that it has happened, is there still a sense of... Uh, happy shock as it were
3: I guess the real I've got to be honest it's not sunk in for me even though we saw it coming for a good few weeks and probably months now Um, but yeah people are still walking around in a bit of a daze like what's happened what's just happened to our football club and it's um, it's incredible like I said to see everybody with a smile on their face celebrating um, and people from all backgrounds as well it's not just uh, blokes down there it's it's all sorts of people down at the King Power Stadium celebrating Yeah,
0: well, that was actually a point that was made during the season that uh, the King Power of all stadia in England is fairly multicultural the crowd that's there there's a good mix of genders good family yeah. atmosphere which hasn't always been and still isn't necessarily the case in some stadia in Britain
3: no indeed I mean yeah, uh, you go down to the King Power Stadium, and uh, there's all, like I said, it's all sorts of different people down there from, uh, from different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders, ages. I mean, in the celebrations last night, a family travelled up from rugby over in the West Midlands, and it would have been about 45 minutes an hour to get to Leicester. They brought their 15-month-old son with them because they wanted to make sure that he was there to celebrate and. You know, do his own little bit for for what was going on. But yeah, just everybody was down there. Everybody who was anybody was down at the King Power Stadium last night and celebrating into the wee small hours. It was it was a wonderful
0: sight. It, was, it must have been a funny situation to be in for Leicester fans this week. Um, kind of having to maybe debate amongst themselves, what's the best way to win the Premier League title? Obviously doing it at Old Trafford, there was all the symbolism that would have been involved in that. Maybe doing it at home next week would have, well, clearly it would have been great. But I don't, the way the players went, in, you know, had a chance to celebrate it last night in Jamie Vardy's place, and the fact that now the game against Everton is triumphant. There's no nerves about it. Maybe oh. this is the perfect way to win it. If you if you were going to choose, yeah, I mean,
3: going in, into the game on on Saturday, there is no pressure on them now. It's going to be the the greatest party of all time in this city. It's going to be um, electric down there. It has been all season, but it's going to be raised even more. I mean, we were debating on our programmes this week about whether. It would be great to see Leicester City do it at Old Trafford. Of course it would. And then, obviously, it rolled over onto Monday and whether you know, results went for, for City with Spurs and Chelsea, whether that would be a great thing. But we were saying that, actually, maybe it would not be great to do it in front of the home fans at the weekend, but actually, when it came around, when it actually happened, nobody cared how it happened. It just happened, and everybody was celebrating as a result. Is there
2: kind of a plan in place for a you know parade or or some kind of civic thing i mean do they have to take something from leicester tigers is there is there
3: is there, is there a plan what are they going to do i don't think anything has officially been mentioned just yet but there has been talk of open top bus tours it's going to happen is it sure it's going to happen um after the final game of the season against chelsea potentially in a couple of weeks time so um and we saw great scenes for the championship uh win a couple of years ago under nigel and thousands of people taking to the streets on that occasion um that's going to seem quite muted compared to what we're going to see maybe in a few weeks' time. It is going to be wonderful. We're going to be uh, speaking to the city mayor here and see you know, what he's going to do about maybe giving them freedom of the city. Can't we just? Be, it's got to be everybody down there. Can't be just Claudio? It's got to be you know Jamie Vardy, Riyad Mahrez, the whole team, the owners maybe because what they've done for the football club as well over the last few years it's been astounding.
2: What about Nigel Pearson? You mentioned him there. He's the person whose feelings I most want to know this season. Please tell me that on BBC Radio Leicester you're going to be having him on for a a tell-all interview. Uh,
3: Probably not, because he's not a big fan of us. Um, (laughs) And our uh, reporter, who would normally speak to him, um, fell out with him uh, last year. Uh, There was a disagreement. Don't mind saying that, because it's quite uh, well-known amongst City fans here. Um, So, no, he won't be joining us here on BBC Radio Leicester. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Nigel... Um, A wry smile from him when they did it But maybe looking back with a a tinge of um, envy as well Although he may not have even watched any of the stuff recently He's known for going on his walks Maybe it was up a mountain when Leicester City Had been crowned Premier League champions yesterday
0: Jason, obviously we're ringing you from Dublin But in terms of how global the Premier League is now Have you noticed that even in the last 24 hours Has there been an international reaction to what's happened?
3: It's been going on for weeks. It's been going on for weeks. I mean, Obviously, you're calling uh, from Dublin, not too far away. Uh, We've had requests from India today. Um, Who else have we had? Uh, I mean, I've done Irish radio in the past few weeks. Colombian newspaper, French newspapers have been over to see us. Uh, Japanese television. I did an Italian TV interview a couple of weeks ago as well. Everybody wants to know about Leicester City. It's, um, It's not just a story for Leicester for England, the UK as a whole, or even Europe. It's a, it's a story for the for the entire world because it's it's that extraordinary. Yeah,
0: well, listen, Jason Bourne from uh, BBC Radio Leicester. Uh, enjoy the day and uh, enjoy the celebration. Thanks so much for Thank chatting. Thank
3: you, I will.
0: You look intrigued there, Ken. You're struck by the international elements to this success. Well, it is.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's like, it, because, obviously, it's got this, this this sort of motif of, you know, the, the kind of Luke Skywalker element of what Leicester have done. Um... You know, there's something a bit sort of primal, archetypal about you know the little guy. Uh, Trapwood always referred to David and Goliath. You know, he was a man of the book. Um, but you know, it's it, it is throughout throughout the football world. Anyway, I mean, in Germany, it's like the front page of Bild, you know, like the the German uh, tabloid, mm-hmm. the, the biggest tabloid in Germany, because they're kind of saying this is what a league looks like. This is a league. You know, it's not just Bayern. It's not just uh, the same team winning all the time or the same couple of teams. This is what happens. Um, why can't we get a bit of the, It's kind of an attractive idea. I mean, it is a freakish uh, outcome for the Premier League. I mean, it's not one that the, this is not the kind of thing the Premier League has been associated with. It's usually been this elite club of, um, the, the little group of rich clubs that have been, you know, monopolizing the trophy. Um, and only the sort of sugar daddy clubs have been able to bust into the, the kind of gilded circle. Uh, so I don't know that the Premier League has, has hit on a magic formula. I mean, the thing is that there's no explanation for it. I mean, I remember writing at the start of the season uh, after Chelsea drew with Swansea, going, hang on, this is, this Premier League is looking a bit different now. You've got teams like, you know, which everybody thinks of as being cannon fodder, who actually have got really good players. You know, Swansea have have got enough money to get IU, uh, you know, to get Sigurdsson back from Tottenham, um, to bring in Shelby, uh, you know, they've, got a, they've got a quality team, lots of good players. This, they're no joke now. This is going to be a difficult league, all, all these kind of milling teams.
0: Yeah, it's pretty exciting, actually. And in
2: fact, that proved to be truer. I mean, I don't know, I don't know why we haven't made an audio thing looking back to that time. Of course, the team that I expected, uh, I, well, or the team that I was highlighting as an example of this class of nouveau riche club, was Swansea, uh, who turned out to narrowly avoid relegation. Uh, Don't be too
0: hard on yourself because you did peg quite early on before a lot of others Arsenal's demise You pointed out look, Arsenal
2: are actually having a bad season Having tipped them for the title
0: Okay, so maybe (laughs) I was, I trying, tipped, to here, no, I was tipped, trying to give you a dig out here, okay No,
2: I took I them for the title, but look, you know, the the thing is that, that okay, that theory is, is fine, and in fact, you could you could look upon this as an example of well, this is what happens when you flood the league with so much money that even the small clubs have got a lot of money and enough enough to build a really competitive team. But that still that still doesn't explain what's happened with Leicester, because it's not it's like they've been outspent by all of the like relegation clubs. You know what I mean? The, the clubs who are in the bottom three have all, have all got a much higher record signing than Leicester did. Their wedge bill is tiny. They haven't... You would have still expected them to get relegated in this new Premier League. Not to win it. Yeah. So it's it, it's beyond explanation.
0: Yes, that reporter's name, by the way, is Jason Bourne, as in from the movie, which I know you're all thinking. And he did say of to us... Of course his name is Jason Bourne. He Born. said to us when we called uh, into the studio, yes, yes, Jason Bourne, yes, as in from the movie. I'm sure he's had to go through that rigmarole yes, yes, many times. But great Bourne. stuff from Jason there. I think we've got a sense of the excitement in Leicester. And now seems like a good time to tell you what we've got in today's Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast.
1: That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, Really.
3: France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. This fellow Ronaldo is
4: a cop. Boom, boom, boom!
0: The foul. Boom, boom, boom! Yellow card.
3: Nah, it's actually boxer. I have to ask you to mind your language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Good lad. I don't draw teacups. It's not my style. I think I've got to chop
1: punches. What you doing down here, you shoni man?
3: <laughs> well, Lester,
2: Lester, 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 Lester. Just how how it was all foretold and how it was written by one of the great. Uh, arguably the great playwright of the who, of course, has a namesake on the Leicester coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Now, he, in his play, Richard III, which, ah, I know you haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I know the odds are you haven't been to see Richard III or read it. It is very long, uh, after all, and contains a lot of uh, actually not that interesting intrigue. Right. And... Um, but it has a lot to do with Leicester's title success, as everybody knows. And we're just going to go into some of the uh, the reasons Internet's
0: for that. Of that. I know you're a fan of straight talking post match interviews again. Mm. How about this from Johnny Sexton after Lens were walloped by Ulster on Saturday? It's a pathetic scoreline. We lost 36 against one of our biggest rivals. There's plenty of stuff that can't be fixed over a week, can't be fixed over a few weeks. Things wrong with the environment that need a long time to fix. We're going to talk to Jerry Thornley in studio about that one in a little while here right now to have a look at what turned out to be the first game of a trilogy between Clare and Waterford and Sunday, our own Kelly and Clerk, and Lads, great to have you in. They'll go at it again next weekend and that leaves them just four weeks out from their game in the Munster Championship which is how the three games have come about before we get into that though are you happy on to see Leicester City become Premier League Champions?
4: I am we, we wish was Liverpool we're waiting long enough now but no it's a great <laughs> story like you know, I'm sure it's the story that everyone's going to be talking about now for the next couple of weeks couple of months and uh, I'm sure it'll be trunning around in all the dressing rooms GA dressing rooms rugby <laughs> dressing rooms soccer <laughs> dressing rooms look lads what Leicester than we can do so maybe
0: well, it, yeah I wanted to ask that actually because you know the, the immediate conversation after Jamie Carragher was talking about The fact that Leicester City's title win takes the excuses away from other teams. Not that everyone's going to do a Leicester, but there's no excuse for any Premier League team not to at least strive to get somewhere near the top. Uh, would you extend that out? Would you, would you think that the mediocre teams entering the Hurling Championship might think, oh, we can have a go here? Well, they can get
4: results and I think we've seen it in the Hurling Championship already. We'll say we've being been beaten by Westmead at the weekend, like, you know, but it just depends on characters in the wrestling room and, you know, a couple of wins, look at the Kerry Hurlers, they're having a good season as well, so it depends on the characters in the wrestling room and if a good management can let those characters develop and create a great team spirit, that you're going to be very, very competitive. And I think that's the way Leicester started off and, you know, one win led to another. Like, but I, I definitely think, you know, I mean, if you hone in on on certain characters in the team, they can bring the team a long, long way.
0: I think, Maggie, are we are getting carried away by? <laughs> <laughs> last well, obi- obviously,
1: to an extent, um, you know, is, is there a team that's five thousand to one win the the hurling championship? I'd say Kerry or more there should be. or less. There it. Should yeah, be. yeah. So you know, but I could see Kerry in a Le- in a Leinster hurling Her- semi final, like. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, and I remember. Uh, To change sports even. I remember when Donegal won the football All-Ireland and when almost more extraordinarily beat Dublin in 2014. Um, I remember coming away from it and Leicester is a little bit like this as well. Like, every game is winnable, I I thought. And, And I think sometimes you forget that. And you forget that in all sports. You just get carried away with narratives. You get carried away with assumptions. You get carried away with presuming that Kilkenny will come back and you get carried away with presuming that, you know, the Leinster Championship is is going to be pretty one sided or or, you know, there's only really two or three teams can win the All Ireland or whatever. But in sport every game is winnable, and if you can get enough people in every dressing room to believe That a game is. You do forget about
0: the human element of it sometimes, mate. But but, but both the strengths uh, and also human frailties in the favourites.
1: And that that games are winnable and games are losable, you know, and and (laughs) the human element is, is, is important there as well. You know, people can come out and, you know, do what Ross Common did in New York on Sunday night. You know, they can just totally presume that they're going to walk through something and get caught. Now, whether they can get caught over the course of a season, look, there's a reason the Leicester story is the most amazing story, is going around the world, because, you know, you're not supposed to be able to do this over a course of a season, um, certainly in a league format. But um, I think there's, if, as Owen says, if there's characters, and if there's... A bit of belief. I think belief is a, is a is a huge thing, or or almost, almost the lack of belief is a bigger thing. You know that that we're sitting here at the start of the championship in in football and hurling, and you do get the sense that there's a huge swathe of counties uh, in both sports that are kind of filling in time until they're out. You know that 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 have no notion of of winning the, the thing out. Even, you know, even maybe in the football championship, sort of the fifth or sixth teams probably think that they can win their provincial championship, but probably don't think that they can win the All-Ireland. So it's that, that lack of belief is something that obviously Leicester got rid of somewhere along the way, that, so, that somewhere along the way they decided here, we don't have to be what this club has always been.
0: There are a lot of teams out there though presumably who don't have the sort of faith in their management for example that Leicester seem to have in Claudio Ranieri (laughs) and maybe even faith in each other and this might tie back to being an amateur sport that in some of the lesser counties presumably I know there's this cliche that everyone's putting in the same commitment and all this but I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case and if players are looking around dressing rooms they might be more realistic than we're being today and think look we're not going to get anywhere.
4: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Look, what you want the lesser teams in the Hurling Championship, for example, you want them to be competitive, you know, for 50 or 55 minutes. Like you I mean, they're obviously not going to win win the game, beat the big teams, but some of the carries the and the Leashes and that, they're in their round robin, which is great, you know what I mean? They're at their own level and then the top two come out of that and they're into a Leinster semi-final, we say, for example. But, you know, you'd love them to give Kerry maybe the chance to play a Watford or, or play a to or someone because it's the only way they're going to actually get motivated You know what I mean? And it's the only way they're actually gonna learn something because if they play him maybe two or three times over a season or over maybe two year period they'll feel themselves if the management stays in place and if the structure stays in place that they might get closer that a 15 defeat might become mm-hmm. a 10 point defeat might become a 6 or 7 point defeat like and sometimes they're protected from playing these big teams so they don't get to learn anything now I know you can make the argument if they don't beat the teams at their own level they shouldn't be able to go on and compete with big teams but uh, you know I know Kelly are in the Leinster Championship but it's a pity that maybe you know, after a good season or two that they're not maybe playing in the Munster Championship maybe
0: a real miracle next year on Liverpool could finally. <laughs> <year>. who, who <laughs> not knows a mi- not a mi- We'll <laughs> win the Europa League and we'll win the Champions League We'll be happy with that A couple year. of weeks back we were having a chat about Davy Fitzgerald and you guys were presenting him as this calm, reflective serene presence on the sideline What I happened think, to that guy on Sunday?
1: I think me and Murph were I don't think Owen oh, really it? was, a, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. a bit more I, yeah,
4: well, who, who started it on I'm Sunday sure, actually. Sure, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he yeah, came yeah. in there I think. Um, but We no, haven't even got
0: to the championship and he's squaring up to no,
4: a he, managers, he was so a bit cooler after us Look it was good to see it I think it was good to see That he hasn't lost the flair Like you know And uh, he's a character in the game And you need characters In, in the J World So you had him on one side And you had Dan on the other side I probably think Derek McGrath maybe started it all But it just you know, It's great to see the passion For the final Because everyone was saying That they'll be hiding this And it won't be Showing their full hand But both teams went at that game Last Sunday And they wanted to win And I think even next Sunday With the replay they'll want to win it even more so I think you could see more fire and flair I see Anthony Daly was talking about the, the tragedy there between Wexford and Cork in 93 I think it's it's building up more like the 98 Cork or Waterford Clare Munster final when you've seen the replay that day and from the throwing you knew we were up for a, a humdinger
0: Well Dan Shannon says this isn't shadow boxing for the championship we want to create history be the first Waterford team to win two leagues in a row and that chance is there again next Sunday you don't normally hear m- managers or um, you know parts of management teams mm. talk, talking about league finals like that
1: No, and I wonder, actually, did, um, like, the game started, it was really dull for for at least the first half. So maybe they
0: started by
1: trying to hide something from each other, but got drawn into it a little bit? Not even so much trying to hide from each other, but more that, I I don't know how, you know, I, I still think beforehand if you had offered either one of them a defeat or a draw, I don't know in their hearts would they have taken the draw you know to, to have to play another game so um but I do think that that they've kind of they realize put it this way they realize that they are absolutely at each other's level now where that level is in regards to wh- where the very top is who knows but they are absolute peers of each other they're you know they're two teams that have been almost created in the same manner you know claire were the underage stars a couple of years ahead of the Waterford Lads that came through as underage stars. You know, they're filled with exceptionally skilled herders. They're managed by guys that are trying to think about the game a different way to the traditional way. That is why, obviously, it was a bit of a deadlock for the first, you know, 60 minutes more or less. But um, I think at this stage, you know, you... You, see, you often see this with teams that, that find themselves around the same level. They kind of know that, that wherever they're going to end up for the year, they, you know, they're going to be either three and four or two and three or four and five or whatever it is. And I'd say both of them kind of know, well, we need to finish ahead of these guys. Mm. Um, And so that's how a rivalry builds up. A couple of games in a short space of time is the other way the rivalry builds up. And, you know, that ended up from very unpromising beginnings on Sunday, ended up being a pretty sort of epic finish. So, you know, momentum carries on, especially when there's only a week between a game. Like, what really can they do in between except, you know, get everybody fit and get everybody recovered and go again on Sunday they can't really you know they can't really tactically change things around a huge amount in, in five six days
0: It sounds like you guys are both quite, quite enthused by it there has been a fair bit of negativity around it Henry Shefflin in particular on the Sunday game seemed to think it was a fairly awful game you know call it a damp squib low on quality not expansive not many goal chances uh, you, you, Did you, you found it exciting all the same? It, it
4: was exciting because it was so close and I think it definitely opened up in uh, extra, extra time and I suppose looking at it, when it is that tight of a game and it's congested in the middle third, your quality players do come shine through. Like Conor McGrath is a serious mm-hmm. player; he's one of the top three or four forwards in the country. Like, and you see, he was able to put his skill levels on on show. You know, um, I suppose Austin Gleason on the other side, he maybe had a, a tougher day at the office, but um, you know. So I think players that played well the last day, you know, I think other players now will show up the next day. And I'm sure the likes of Clare would like to get the likes of David McInerney back on the pitch. You know. I don't know how badly injured he is, but um, you know it was It was. and you've heard it before paralysis by analysis I suppose mm-hmm. the, the first maybe 20 minutes um, but that's the way they play like and you know the, the punter who was on he's he's 9-1 to for no goal I think he was he was <laughs> happy he was happy watching <laughs> it There were 39
0: wides though and there, there was a lot of shooting despite <laughs> the fact that there was a lot of well maybe that was because there was a lot of congestion there were yeah. m- maybe too many pot that shots going the, on The
4: long range shooting I suppose was very disappointing yeah. that was the thing and um, I suppose what was disappointing too was A shot was wide Then another shot was wide And after one or two wides you think players would um, You know Use the ball a bit better And they shot again So I suppose I don't know Was it a bit of nervous tension Or what It kind of looked like that But I think As the game went but on That left both teams It's
1: a bit of a nervous tension But it's also the fact That the, the game that both of them play Forces shots from distance um, I was at another of Waterford's games in the league against Dublin down in Walsh Park and it was almost exactly the same game as, as last Sunday. You know, it was short puck outs, uh, the other team of giving up the puck out, uh, players finding a little bit, a little sliver of space in midfield and, and that was, <clears throat> that's what I've, I found interesting about them, that You've, you're finding players like Tag de Burka did it a few times uh, on Sunday Colin Galvin I think guys that are kind of realising right now I have now I have a sliver yeah. of space but they're not shooting from 40 yards it's are shooting like, but, it's, but it's also but yeah. it's from 90 yards yeah. you know and okay one in five of them will go over um, and actually if if four out of five of them go over, we're talking about a fantastic game because everybody's scoring from from 90 yards and players are having to, you know, get get shut down a lot further from goal and players will have to move around. It was just that the shooting was terrible. Really, really terrible. And some of the free... Ta- <clears throat> Pardon me. Some of the free taking on Waterford's side was oh, really, really cool. terrible as well. So it just had the feeling of a really low-quality game. And, it, you know, I know there, there, there are going to... No matter how good that game had been, no matter, no matter how high scoring it had been, if if half of the 39 wides had gone over the bar, we'd have been talking about a 30 points apiece game. And there would still have been people who would have hated it for the way that the two teams set up with 10 yeah. in, 10 in well, front of their own goal and 10 in front yeah, of the other goal. That's probably not going to change throughout that the won't season. Change, but I and there's going to be a lot Sundays, of this through yeah, the I year. expect
4: next Sunday's game to be better now. Even the likes of Tony Kelly, you know, he was injured most of the league he has what maybe 80 minutes now under his belt you know so he'll be better for mm-hmm. that and um, you know Maurice might start maybe now the next day so he'll be more consistent free taker mm-hmm. I think he's well man he is but Maurice had a super season last year so there's no reason to change him off the freeze, but I think it'll be—I think there'll be less wides, and I think it'll be a more open, expensive mm-hmm. game. But you'd still have your your tactics deployed.
0: Yeah, it's funny because if, if I'm Davy Fitzgerald or Donald Hughes I'm, I'm kind of thinking, lads, hang on a second. We well certainly when Davy was there, we won an amazing, thrilling All Ireland in 2013. We haven't won a game since. <laughs> you know, we've we've struggled badly. So I'm within my rights to do whatever needs to be done. To, oh, gee. yeah. And, and and similarly with Derek McGrath, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, up yeah. to I, teams look, to break it as down. As I say, I,
1: I I have no particular problem with how they set up, but I'm I'm saying. That there, are, there that there is a constituency and you're going to hear this through the summer there are going to be games where to, because look this is this is an effective tactic uh, especially if it's well coached you know we saw Limerick in the uh, semi-final against uh, Waterford uh, clearly having only tried to bet it in over the previous sort yeah. of three or four <laughs> weeks, and so it it looked terrible. They were, you know, it was it was falling at the first hurdle. It wasn't. They weren't even getting the short puck outs beyond the the forty five. You know, um, but this is a completely effective tactic. You know, it 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 runs like you. You look at Shane O'Donnell came on 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 Sunday. Now Shane O'Donnell cannot function in a playing against a system where there's seven defenders around him for every ball that comes in. You know, that's just so. So, as a way of taking out a goal threat, it's a fantastic system. It's a fantastic way of playing. The problem is that you need to, the, the, at the other end, you need to be scoring three out of five shots from midfield uh, to keep the scoreboard taken along. And it also takes away the goal threat, you know. But it, people aren't going to like it. But I, I have no particular problem with
0: it. Have you got a problem with it?
4: I don't. Uh, it's getting results for both teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as the game kind of went on, if you think about it, it opened up a bit more, and goal chances mm. came into play. Now I know probably substitutes had come on from both sides, but Tom Devine had a tiredness as well, and, and tiredness. Tom yeah. Devine had a big impact when he came on, and he's kind of been. Aaron Shannon had a chance as well, and they're kind of two players. They might like me saying it, but if they get earmarked, earmarked as guys to make a big impact when they come off the bench they'll find it hard to start the game because they have made very big mm-hmm. impacts mm-hmm. coming off the bench in the last couple of games So, but as was their they're young they've used on their side but um, you know, I, I'm expecting it to open up but look that's the way Hurland has gone primary possession it's a scrap out there but I think both sets of players um, both teams have probably the fittest sets of players in the
0: Hurland Championship Alright very quickly who's going to win it next week? I fancy Clare
1: Clare Yeah I kind of fancy Clare
0: as well yeah. Two Clare's Alright great stuff Oh Malky, thanks a million Cheers. Cheers, guys. The
2: hairdryer is, is a metaphor for the current of hot air generated by a freeze blast of <laughs> temper.
0: The hairdryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated. He threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckett. Oh, I he threw a hairdryer at David uh, in the Is that right? No, 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 no. Are you surprised at all, Ken, to see Davy Fitz losing his Zen-like cam even before the championship season begins? Uh, no. <laughs> That's enough of that. Nesbit, watch. I'm here with a lot of people. Thanks to David Lynn for pointing me in the direction of Johnny Bell's piece in the Belfast Telegraph about the great man. Mm-hmm. The long awaited drama starring James Nesbitt as respectable, respectable, oh no, I hate when you encounter a word you can be spectacled, respectable, yes, dentist turned double murderer Colin Hell, it's called The Secret, aired on Friday night mm-hmm. with many, many can take him to Twitter to offer their thoughts. The first in the four part drama series about Colin Hell and Hazel Stewart who murdered their partners in 1991 was on UTV. While there were a few to tweet criticism in the main the reaction was good with many praising James Nesbitt for his portrayal of the good dentist and faithful Christian who would turn to murder. I do love
2: that idea uh, that Davy Fitz would be inclined to be more it's kind of sort of phlegmatic and sort of chilled out with the addition of the even more explosive, and choleric uh, <laughs> member of, you know, or in the form of Donald O'Casey. Oh, yeah, that the was the argument that was
0: made a couple of weeks ago. Now we were trying to get to the bottom of who exactly said what there between Malachy and Owen, and Murphy's not here. Today. When
2: all no, these man. men have been doing, their whole lives is competing <laughs> with each other, <laughs> to, to see who can outdo the other. So it doesn't surprise me to see Davy Fitz inspired to to new levels of, of touchline outbursts by the presence of that uh, of his old rival.
0: Jerry Thorny's here. Jerry Cheers are popping in. Not at all, pleasure. I'm going to hit you with some post match quotes from <laughs> Leinster here. Uh, Jack McGrath says, "You come back on Saturday night and Sunday night, you're not sleeping. Today you're embarrassed coming in. It's not a great place to be." Johnny Sexton, when you're when you look at the scoreline, it's pathetic. Uh, we lost 36 against one of our biggest rivals. There's plenty of stuff that can't be fixed over a week. We can't. It can't be fixed over a few weeks. Things wrong with the environment that need a long time to fix. Well, what do you make of the quotes before we get on to the game itself?
5: Very damning. Yeah. Very, very damning to come from your chief playmaker, strategist, biggest name, best paid player, etc. All goal kicking number at half. It's very, very damning. And Jack McGrath was pretty damning as well. Um, I thought it was a truly awful performance. All right, I was up it there. It really was, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was awful. I thought it also were full value for their thirty points to six lead to win. And if they'd gone for the jugular early, they might well have got the bonus point. Another five minutes, they would have got it. I mean, it's
0: a weird one. Leinster were top of the league coming into yes. the weekend. Yeah. But then Johnny Sexton saying like that is a big statement. There's something wrong with the environment. Things are wrong with the environment. They need a long time to to fix. What is r- wrong? And what has it been the case that cracks have been papered over?
5: I think During the defence has got them through mm. and their winning mentality and their big game, their array of big game players and just their ability to get over the winning line and undoubtedly the best defensive record in the league up until Saturday was shredded. I mean Ulster made thirteen line breaks. I think Leinster missed twenty two tackles. Also, do a very potent backline um, with Jackson pulling the strings there, and a very subtle midfield combination. And with Payne at full back, they probably got more attacking strings to bow than they've ever had before. And you know, no matter they get an injury too in the wings, like Bow and Gilroy, they can still play Trimble and Scolds who are big players, big physical wingers. So they had a very good backline. Did some lovely strike moves, better use of decoy runners. They ran straight lines. Their skill sets were better. They were full value for the win. I mean, I think that performance was obviously coming from Ulster for a long time. Their need was. Was greater. I fancy them to win it because of that. They were at home, carnival like atmosphere, yeah. very good conditions which suited them. Um big capacity crowd. Last home game of the season they had to sign off on a winning note and they had to make sure they were into that top four. But that being said, I just thought Leinster by comparison just played a lot of East to West rugby. Little or no penetration unless Ben Tio was on the ball, but I they're gonna miss him. Mm. He gets better and better and better the nearer and nearer and nearer he gets to the exit gate. <laughs> and um yeah it was just The body language wasn't great from Leinster when they fell behind when it got away from them. Um, Their discipline let them down. You could argue about a couple of the George Clancy decisions. I don't believe there should have been a penalty try when Ruin Pienaar was checked by Rob Carney but it was most definitely a yellow card. And some referees, other referees might well have given. Um, a penalty try or presupposes for how the ball, rugby ball, would bounce, which is always a difficult. P- yeah, that was the thing. It wasn't so much the trading player; it <laughs> yeah. was just the fact
0: that. It, it, and I know, I know, it only has to be a probable try. Yeah. It's, if he has to be probably in a position to score a try, and you yeah. could argue he was, but yeah, that it's ball fifty fifty. Yeah, it's, it's, 50/50. It's, it's You can't yeah. say for anything. I'd like, say possible rather than probable yes, exactly. that he would have scored a try yeah, there. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, uh,
5: tough. Maybe yellow card and Luke Fitzgerald. But then again, you could argue a cynical play. I think again, other referees would have given that. Um, and the strike move, the beautiful strike move Ulster put together for the try with Stuart Olding running the decoy line with um, Andrew Trimble on the inside for Jackson to dummy to before he fed it out to Marshall for him to put pain over. I know it was against fourteen men, but you certainly wouldn't have backed Leinster to execute like that. Yeah. Um, they never looked like executing like that. It was a, it was a really sloppy performance. It was, it was strange. It was strange for a team that came into the game top of the table. Their form has ebbed uh, latterly. They were winning a lot of matches, and now it's ebbed of late. Um, they lost away to Connacht. I, even when they beat Edinburgh with a, with a bonus point, they would no business letting Edinburgh in for a bonus point themselves. And they go into the playoffs not looking anything like in as good a form or shape as Glasgow 1-9 in the spin. You obviously
0: said you are at the game. I was watching on TV and you know these interviews they do mm. with the coaches or assistant coaches during the game. Uh, oftentimes, it's not a huge amount that comes from those. But uh, this is an interesting Joe Barakat is one of the coaches with Ulster, assistant coach. And he was asked—he just being asked the usual questions. How's, how's it going so far? Well, you know, how's it going to go last twenty minutes? This kind of stuff. And he made a point that look, we're looking at a bonus point now. That's what we got to do. And this was a decent bit of time to go. I think they had two tries on the board. Mm. And he said, "They, as in Leinster, aren't offering a hell of a lot in attack. Their shape is quite predictable." So he was that comfortable with uh, saying that in the middle of a game. I know, yeah, more interesting than those quotes often are. But it told me quite a lot about where how an opposing coach sees. Leinster at the moment, or certainly Leinster on
5: on Saturday. There's no decoy runners. There's no the strike moves aren't anything in, in the realm of what Ulster are about at the moment, and they're both under new coaching tickets to a degree. Okay, Ulster's a little bit more established, and you could argue they've more potency in their backline, maybe. Although the, Leinster, plenty of potency with players like Teo and Rainrose and Fitzgerald and others there. Um, and yeah, like I said, there was a lot of east-west rugby, a lot of lateral running. Um, very obvious where the pa- next pass was going to go because there was only one potential receiver and certainly watching from the high cheap seats in the Kingspan Stadium it was very obvious that Ulster could just drift on to the next man and pick out their targets Trimble could shoot up or Jackson did and Madigan laid on and that Ringrose got emptied by Trimble and Madigan got emptied by Jackson was down to the predictability of Leinster's running game which just was very predictable like I said very lateral going across the pitch only one intended receiver every time it just they really need to and you're right I don't I think Johnny Sexton's got a very valid point there. It's difficult to see how they can change that dynamic in just a week or two. The one thing is, they are in charge of their own destiny. I reckon if they beat Treviso at home, they're pretty much nailed on to get a home semi-final. If they win with a bonus point, it's absolutely guaranteed. Then they have a week's respite. So they could go into um, the semi-final with a home tie in the semi-final of the RDS. No home team has ever lost a semi-final. Um, with a week's extra preparation, and they have a lot of good players.
0: Yep, uh, monster. Uh, meanwhile, it turns out all you have to do to light a fire under a team is appoint a new guy above the current coach, without him seemingly being being fully briefed in the whole thing. Put the current coach in front of the media. Have a complete shit fight if you don't mind me using mm. the phrase around mm. that and then off you go and win the game regardless it's, uh, it was strange preparation but they were a good value
5: it was very strange preparation I was down there last Monday Anthony Foley was placed in a very very awkward position literally the um, announcement the press, the of the press release a monster head of paper was put down in the, de- the table in front of all the assembled journalists um, li- almost exactly as Anthony Foley walked in and it was inevitable that he was going to get quizzed but I don't know why they didn't have Garrett Fitzgerald first mm. to answer all the questions and then give Anthony Foley a bit more time to Put his thoughts together in this new appointment and he answered it. The one thing I like about Anthony Foley actually is that he always answers questions honestly. You know exactly how he feels about life and he clearly was a bit peeved the fact that he's he's been demoted. There's no doubt about it. Next season he's been demoted. This coming Saturday is his last game as the de facto head coach. You can call him any title you want in the world but he's been demoted for Razi Rasmus who is a high quality appointment and it should be good news for Munster. All that being said and done on I think Munster would have won the way they won anyway. Yeah, Because I think to a degree, I don't buy the theory that oh it was never mentioned I cannot for a life of me imagine that Conor Murray Simons even a bunch of other players didn't ask BJ Botha and CJ Stander hey what's this guy like you know mm-hmm. being fellow South Africans they must have done it must have been a slight distraction but they put it aside because of you know necessity being the mother of invention they had to win that game or they weren't qualifying for the Champions Cup now talk about needs must and, and Ulster to getting into the playoffs and Leinster getting a home semi-final and Conor having a home semi Munster's need was the greatest of all the four Irish teams last week And I thought they showed real bravery in the way they went to play the game, the way they concocted tries and responded to falling behind the first half and then responded in the second half to the match slipping away from them, primarily on their scrum um, for their maul to really go for the juggler and then for them to finish it up with a bonus point themselves. I thought that was impressive when you think that, you know, players on the pitch like John Ryan, Jack O'Donoghue, um, Niall Scannell, Rory Scannell, the 10-12, Billy Holland and Rory Scanlon would, would hardly have started a game between them before this season. There they are, the 10-12, running the show very impressively. Conway had a really big game. <laughs> that... Uh, Zebo makes me laugh smile every time I watch him play with his one handed finish imagine (laughs) Joe Schmidt watching that being not too pleased Mm use two hands Simon nah I can use one gathered one handed dotted down one handed and there was a nice atmosphere in the place I thought they were better off having that crunch game in Cork than they were in Tolman Park. That's only the second game they've had in Cork since October, and the Cork public really rallied around them for a Friday night game. And, and it
0: is one; it has been one of the issues in yeah. Tolman that even if you get a decent, say, fifteen thousand people, it's quite a lot of people to watch a sporting event. Yeah, but when that's barely over half the stadium, it's, it's, it is it look half great. full or half yeah. empty? Very often
5: it's half empty, you know. Um, and it will be interesting how they need because they're not out of the woods yet. I mean they still need to be discards. It's a very interesting battle there between fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Um, Ultra play Ospreys, Munster play the Scarlets. And you know, that that's they're there four teams, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, who are battling over the last playoff place and the last um, Champions League place. My guess is that you'll get a Munster, will get in there, and perhaps Ulster will make it three teams in the playoffs from Ireland as well, which is a hell of an achievement when you think about it. Four in the top six and three in the top four.
0: Speaking of achievements, I'm sure you're happy enough for Leicester City. We we pleased? Trilled, yeah. yeah thrilled. Yeah.
5: for them. I think we all are. Um, I think when Skype, there's loads of reasons to love it. Because you, you know, there hasn't been a story like it since Notts Forest. And in those days, there was a much more equal playing field where you've got a genius of a manager like Brian Clough. It was possible to win the league. Even with a genius manager, we thought it wasn't possible to win the league. Claudio Ranieri had never won a league title in No, his no life. nobody
0: called him a genius manager. No, no second, year, so, yeah.
5: Was he second four times in different leagues in Italy and in England and so elsewhere? Never won a league title. And I think it's primarily for him. He's everybody's... Favorite second manager, or favorite manager. And when Sky put that collage together last night of all the quirky Ranieri Mm. quotes, and who were the favorites for the title? The others. (laughs) It's just his humor shone through. And I tell you what, it was brilliant. A bit like Pat Lamb, the way he's deflect attention away from Connaught and all the pressure, he took it away from them with his demeanor in public. It's very important that a, a coach conducts himself look at the way Pochettino conducted himself last night yeah. by comparison and the way you could imagine Ranieri doing that stepping onto pitch and becoming embroiled in that big becoming that hot-headed himself or his team um, they could be cynical when they wanted to they knew how to win 1-0 certainly when they wanted to but uh, yeah I think it was just great for football and do you think that Man United spent as much in the last two years as the last have done their entire history mm-hmm. it's just a great story and it gives it gives all the minnows hope everybody loves an underdog absolutely Jerry. great stuff cheers Shane Corden with the kick out the
0: 42 year old goalkeeper. Turn it out from goal. Here he comes. He talked it. He fought it. He's 50 yards out from goal. What a day us, All the game for us coming. All the mother is lame and you know it now. When the real dude gonna hold you down, you're supposed to drown. Pam.
1: 1944 is the last time a senior tiger come out of here. And the one, 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 one won't be the last one. Pam. All
0: the game for us coming. Leave a pretty girl's sad reputation. Start a fight club, brad reputation. I asked the question: Does
5: anybody deserve to lose at the LRX Give me a text tech- tech- if you know the answer. It'll be heartbreak on either side. Imagine being 8 up. Imagine coming 8
0: down. Bitch. Shane has been lifted by an umpire. A sub goalie, two castle men and a British man. I can't see Corton continuing. It could be his last race out of the All right, Jerry's summed up Leicester's title win quite nicely there. I think, as we mentioned earlier, a lot more of that chat in the football podcast. What we haven't mentioned, Ken, so far, are the financial ramifications for Leicester City. Not all of them good. Martin Taylor made an astonishing point during commentary the other day. I think he just got a little, you know, sometimes commentators get a bit bored and just start talking about stuff they've heard. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm pretty sure it was Martin Taylor who said this, um, that he had been speaking to a financial guy, a Mm -hmm. numbers guy who had said to him, you know what, Lesser would much prefer to finish second than first. Oh, why? Because, because they'd still the get their Champions League money and they won't have to pay out massive bonuses to their manager in particular for winning the league.
2: Well, the, so the bonus that Ranieri is supposed to have, and this is according to various media reports, one of them was in build, which is not necessarily the most reliable, they claimed 5 million for winning the league. Was always just put in there as a never going to happen bonus. A hundred grand for every uh, place above eighteenth. So that's eighteen places. Hold on, on
0: top of the five million.
2: Yeah, oh. uh, like because that was that was supposed to be his actual bonus. We'll give you a hundred grand for every place that we finish above the relegation places. So that's six point eight million. Plus his salary, mm-hmm. which is about another two. So, <laughs> I like the way the bonus no wonder, is
0: more than three times the salary. <laughs>
2: well, it's it's obviously it's like uh, sticking a sticking a five million, you know, uh, winning the Premier League bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, you, okay, sure. Uh, if we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, and in in fairness, it's not like they're going to mind. I'm sure they would much rather have won the league and have to pay some bonuses. I mean, it's not like uh, you know the owners of Leicester City are short of a few Bob yeah. well, you know it's not going to be a problem for them um,
0: I think Claudio deserves it Ken
2: yeah no wonder his voice was trembling on the phone to go to that time and what a party it's going to be in Thailand uh, when the season's over
0: thanks Ken thank you too Alan thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoy the show check out the football podcast and we'll talk to you later in the week take care is that? it that's
3: the
2: second time it's gone off